2: Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company.
3: You know, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death among kids, which is, which is tragic. And, and bullying is, is an incredibly important factor in that. And now, you know, with the internet, uh, cyberbullying is, is, is another pandemic. I mean, I, I'm not trying to minimize what we're going through, but, you know, with, with one stroke of a, a keyboard you know kids are getting bullied to everybody in their school 24 hours a day and it's just oh, yeah. you know when i was a kid you got bullied like you know on the way to school at lunch and on the way home and now you know kids are getting bullied nonstop
2: inside the 5150 studios this is knocking doors down your host Jason Lechance with the background Of uh, alcoholism, also some childhood trauma, some sexual trauma, divorce, I've been through a lot, but hey, taking that, turning it into my advantage being able to use all that uh, life experience and speak with others, and of course my co-host Mike Naraki, no different. What is going on, people? He's, uh, well, you know, faced a little bit of uh, rehab, uh, running with the law a time or two. I got myself busted a time or two. What are you going to do? <laughs> and some other adversities as we all go through. And uh, that's what knocking doors down is about, is speaking with people who've gone through adverse situations and uh, turned it into a real positive. Our guest, Sean Kanan, no different. Your karate sucks, chance. <laughs> and if you recognize that, of course, from Karate Kid 3, uh, Matt Barnes, uh, he was the bully, but interestingly enough, he was bullied as a child himself. I wonder if that's got to hurt you know, playing a bully after being bullied. It's like, I wonder if that brings up old thoughts. Well, we do talk to him about that if he took a lot of those experiences, threw it into some of the characters that uh, he played because he did kind of get stereotyped uh, as far as what he was casted in, mm-hmm. uh, in different stuff as kind of the bully, the bad guy. Uh, and we get into really how he's uh, used that to help others. He's a part, big part of an anti-bullying campaign, goes out and speaks w- to the youth, uh, about anti-bullying and really trying to educate them on uh, the impact that it can have that's right yeah. also for all those fans of course we get into karate kid we get into cobra kai we also get into studio city uh his uh, show that he's working on available on amazon and uh it's really insightful he's just a great guy it's like hanging out with an old buddy yeah it was good dude he was just really easy to talk to So again, we thank you guys for listening. Of course, please uh, subscribe if you haven't already to whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, in the link in the description, our YouTube channel is up. You can start checking out some of those videos up there as we're getting full interviews up and on the YouTube channel for you guys. Anything else, Mikey? Let's get into it. John Kanan, welcome to Knocking Doors Down, man. It's it's good to talk with you. have been a fan of of your work uh, for a long time. Yeah. So this is really cool. It's one of those personal ones where it's like, I couldn't sleep the night before. Your <laughs> sucks, legends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate
2: that. Yeah, man. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you know, we want to talk about you doing a lot with anti-bullying campaigns and that stuff we, sure. we want to touch on. And then, of course, Karate Kid 3, and there's some adversity that people don't know about that occurred there. That, uh, yeah. you know, I kind of had to deep dive, too, and I was kind of like, holy shit. But uh, I always like to know, <laughs> you know, what was little Sean like? Uh, you know, were you like a rambunctious dude? Because you've got this jovial personality. Of course, I've been watching Studio City, which uh, people can check out on Amazon. Um, Thank you. But uh, what
3: were you like I, as a no, kid? I, I, think, I think like a lot of kids, I had different periods of my childhood when, when I was different, because, you know, as we're growing up, you're trying to figure out who you are, right? You know, it's, I read this really interesting thing once, and it was, it was a guy talking about how he was growing up and he had a bunch of different sets of shoes. And what he meant by that was, you know, I tried, you know, I tried the track shoes on and I wasn't that guy. And then I tried the cowboy boots on and I kind of wasn't that guy. And it wasn't until he found this one pair of shoes that he kind of figured out who he was. And and I was a lot like that. Um, when i was when I was a young kid, uh, I went through a period where I was like the chubby kid, and that was uh, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, i I was bullied a lot, um, really, you know, went through some tough times. Uh, and and in a lot of ways, as kind of painful as that was and as scarring as it was, it, I think helped forge a sense of compassion in me which I, I like to think as an adult, I, I carry forward to other people, which is really important. Um, you know, as I as I got a little older, I started training in martial arts, I got more confidence. Um, and then I, I went away to boarding school my junior and senior year in high school. Um, and that was really difficult too. you know, by that time, I had kind of, um, you know, developed a sense of confidence, um, you know, I sort of. Lost a bunch of weight, got contact lenses. I I looked very different, but I I think I still carried that 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 fat little kid inside of me for sure. a long time. You know, I was never uh, a real popular guy. I was I was a I was a bit of a loner. Um, and uh, then you know, I, I went to school uh, in Boston University, and and you know, I think that's when you really start to come into your own. You know, once you're completely away from your parents and. You know, away from a lot of the restrictions of school, you know, you make mistakes, but you, you start to develop who you are. So, yeah, I don't know if that was an overly like, answered <laughs> question.
2: But. No. Uh, so, w- why why this switch to, uh, I got kind of a two interesting thing that uh, what was the catalyst to getting you involved in, in martial arts? Uh, what was the inspiration for that?
3: Um, when I was really young, I was really interested in boxing. I think Rocky came out in 1976.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So that put me at about 10 years old. And by the time I was about 13, 14, um, I had started doing some boxing. And my mother used to drive me over to this gym on the south side of Youngstown, Ohio, which was, it was a rough area. And very quickly, my parents ascertained that the, the guys that were boxing there were like boxing as a, as a pathway out of a, a bad socioeconomic situation. Right. And you know, their nice Jewish son was <laughs> you know, like, and that ain't happening. So they found a karate school in my town and I didn't even really want to study karate. I was really into the boxing and I was decent at it too. And, uh, although young and green, uh, but I started taking karate and, uh, You know, I really, I really just fell in love with it, and uh, I liked the camaraderie of the school. Uh, My teacher was a really dynamic individual who wound up playing a very important role in my life as I as I got older, including uh, being very instrumental in me getting the role in *The Karate Kid* three in a lot of indirect ways. Uh, And so that's that. And and of course, you know, once once *The Karate Kid* came out, and that mania sort of overtook the country and the world, you know, I was already there studying. So, uh, I I certainly wasn't going to stop.
2: Yeah. You want a fun factoid about this Dick sitting next to me? How many karate kid (laughs) movies have you seen? Sorry, Sean. (laughs) I'm sorry, Sean.
4: It's nothing personal. You know, fuck you, Jason. There's a lot of movies that I haven't seen. Okay. Hey, uh, how many Rocky movies you have you list. seen? Let me give you a list. Let me give you a list. I've never I, seen Back I, to the Future.
3: The Karate Kid goes, You haven't seen Rocky?
4: I haven't seen Rocky. I haven't seen Back to the Future. I've never seen The Goonies.
2: Oh, Sean, do you want to know the worst step part about Rocky? We were just in Philadelphia doing interviews. We ran the steps at the museum. No, I ran the well, steps. You ran the steps. You stayed why there and
4: watched. I, 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 I did that. Yeah. I did that. I saw the highlights of Rocky, but you know what? I ran the steps. He was on the back doing whatever he was doing. I was filming
2: you running the steps so you could impress a girl. but You anyways. still
4: didn't what? run them. I
2: ran them, Sean.
4: And I did the Rocky after. <laughs> I lived it. I didn't watch it. I lived
3: it. what. <laughs> You, you got to see it. It's it's a it's yes. pretty incredible. Film.
4: Rocky's on my to watch list and Karate Kid three too. So it's yeah, it's on it's, my to do list.
2: Uh, uh, for me though, I can relate. They were just huge inspirations for me as a child. Kind of, mm. I can relate to that not fitting in, not you know the popular kid. Yeah. But uh, also, you said something interesting about boarding school junior and senior year. What was the the reasoning behind that? That's what I was going to ask too.
3: You know, uh, it, it was it was a couple things. Um, first of all, my father had gone there, so um, I you know I had it was a, a bit of a legacy. Um, but also I was, you know, I was kind of screwing up a little bit. I was, uh, I was kind of floundering a little and, and my parents were like, look, if you you, know, you have any chance of getting into a good school, you need to buckle down. And so they sent me there and it was very difficult. It was, uh, it was very lonely it was uh, it was a whole bunch of things and in retrospect i I'm extremely happy they did it yeah. mm-hmm. you know uh, it, it really it, it taught me a lot of things uh, about myself and you know academically it really helped me um, made some made some great uh, some friendships so uh, as much as I didn't like it while I was there it's one of those things I look back on now and really see the value in
4: it were you yeah. super bummed out when you were told you had to go or was it kind of just like, all right, well, well my dad was thrilled it.
3: because here's the thing, you know, I had like already started, uh, you know, spending time with the ladies, so to speak, and, uh, <laughs> you know, now I'm being sent away to this boarding school where they've got very strict rules, yeah. but even though it's, even though it's co-ed, like there's not a lot of, uh, intercommingling habitation or, uh, fraternization
4: bam, chicka, wah, wah <laughs> going on over there,
3: huh? <laughs> so, uh, that kind of, that kind of. Wasn't great. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna. He ask can it.
2: relate to that.
3: <laughs> Check it.
2: I was gonna ask. Yeah, was it? Was it? Co- what were some of the the things going on? Was it just you know, girl crazy, not focusing on academics? Was it you know the kind I, of partying and
3: all that? stuff? You know, oh. I, I would just say I was I was I was testing limits. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. all, right. Mm-hmm. all right, leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll leave it at that. So you end up uh, after boarding school, uh, Boston University, you said.
3: Went to boston university for two years um fun years exciting years um wish i'd studied harder in retrospect uh wound up going to ucla and finishing my political science degree there which was great and while i was uh going to ucla i got the role of mike barnes and actually i would actually gotten a couple roles before that a couple small mm. roles So I had a very limited relationship with UCLA as far as, you know, having any kind of social life or anything there. And I didn't live on campus. Um, I was, you know, taking classes and just trying to, you know, get through it and get my degree because I, you know, absolutely knew that, you know, acting was what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, That's
2: interesting being you were a poli sci major uh that it was acting right. but but what what uh, spawned you from going across the country from boston to to la was it just that I, you know what i'm in boston the acting well, scene is it not happening it was, here
3: it was a couple of things the, the first thing was you know i knew that to be a professional actor i needed to be i either needed to be in los angeles or new york LA or new york yeah. and i you know, it's, it's it's easier to starve when the sun's out so L <laughs> A. and, I, and uh, I had met a girl in Boston, who was a senior, and she graduated, and <clears throat> she lived in Los Angeles, and said, "Listen, why don't you come out with me?" And I said, "That sounds great." And she said, "You could stay at my parents' house, and they had this fabulous mansion in Bel Air." <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, was, it was really great. I was I was very fortunate, and she was very kind, and. Um, you know, I, I was able to start making inroads into, uh, you know, acting while I was going to UCLA, while I was staying there. Eventually got my own place and, uh, you know, uh, got an acting class, got a few breaks. Yeah. What was
2: that process, that the inroad? Because... Um, I went to to film and television school, uh, major f- uh, directing, minor acting, and uh, you know, to me, it just seemed the impossible. What, what you know, people don't understand that in and just breaking in and how challenging it can be. What was your uh, process?
3: So hard, and it's it's harder now. it's it's harder. It was harder then than it is now, um, and it was also harder then than it was like back in the day when they had the studio system, oh, yeah. like basically if they saw somebody that looked like they could be an actor, or an actress, they'd sign him to a contract, Throw them in acting class, dance class, elocution class, get them in the gym. And then they start sticking them in roles in little movies. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: By the time I got out there, that wasn't happening anymore, but we didn't have the internet. Now, you know, you've got people that are creating content for themselves, either on Instagram, YouTube, and it's a way of getting seen that, that didn't exist when I started. So I kind of, You know, uh, I kind of hit it at a time where it was difficult. Um, you know, I knocked on a lot of doors. I I was fortunate that I I found a manager who was a reputable guy early on. He was a good person, uh, gave me some good direction. Um, and I, I got in with a very good acting class and, you know, I was pretty tenacious. Um, I got a couple good breaks and one break led to another and, you know, uh, Things started happening, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly.
4: Yeah, I get what you're saying as far as the internet thing, because a perfect example of that is, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but Justin Bieber. I mean, he got noticed on yeah. YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, who knows where he would be or what he'd be doing now if it weren't for the internet and all that crap going on. So it was definitely no, I, tougher times, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, uh, people always ask me, uh, you, you know, uh, aspiring actors, and they say, what can I do? And I was like, listen, you've got... The- all these tools at your disposal to get mm-hmm. noticed because you know back in the day when I started out they would always say well we want to see what you look like on tape meaning you know we want to see basically something that is a produced you know video or something we can look at to see what your talent is and now you know anybody with a couple lights and a beauty dish and an iPhone can put something together you know go learn mm-hmm. a monologue film it put it on a, a Vimeo channel and show it to an agent yeah, yeah. you know not, uh, when I was starting out did Are you kick off my lawn? <laughs> <laughs> did, did your, uh, did the training
2: with martial arts kind of create a lot of that tenacity that you had and that toughness as, as well as, I think so.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it definitely might, my, my martial arts teacher was very hard on me. Um, he was emotionally hard on me. He expected a lot out of me. I think there were times when he, pressed me to see if i would quit or i would stay mm-hmm. and uh, uh I, I think that helped me with a lot of the psychological difficulty that comes with being an actor mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's very emotionally and psychologically challenging uh because you're constantly in a position of trying to find work mm-hmm. uh constantly putting yourself out there in auditions and you know 99 out of 100 times you're, you're being um rejected
4: mm-hmm.
3: and you have to learn to take that rejection and not see it as a failure but to learn from it to you know for me i would say okay maybe i got to audition for somebody that didn't know who i was maybe i got to prepare for a role that was sort of outside of my wheelhouse you, you got to always put an, a, a positive attachment
0: onto it yeah
4: how close did he push you from actually have you thought about quitting like i'm sure you thought about it but did you ever get actually pretty close to doing so
3: sure yeah i did mm-hmm. uh, uh, but i i it was one of those deals right i wouldn't give them the satisfaction
4: right right uh, right yeah
3: i like that you know it's kind of the same thing with my acting career i mean uh, you know i'll never forget i when i first came to when i first came to hollywood i think it was hollywood or was it new york anyway there was an open call for nina blanchard's modeling agency and nina blanchard was a huge modeling agent and you know i had these pictures that i had taken professionally and you know they they took took my my photos back to nina to go look at in another room and then they brought it back out and they said basically thank you but no thank you and oh uh gosh. i was like i was like fuck it on to the next fuck wow. her i'll show her yeah. you know what I mean? that's
4: good that's a mentality to have because i might leave crying it's just that was really <laughs> rude you couldn't have just said i mean i guess
2: uh, she said no but fuck but they but sean to the thing because I, I i did uh, brazilian Jiu Jitsu off and on over a decade cool. um and there's a there's a difference between bullying and and what a mentor does to push you. Can you kind Absolutely. of speak on what 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 that is, so that people? Well, understand? You know, I, think, I
3: think mentors are. It's an incredibly important relationship. You know, almost everybody that's really successful has had a mentor. You know, Bill Gates has had uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, uh, um, you know, was it? You know, Aristotle had Plato. I mean, you know, anybody who's really achieved anything of consequence, you probably can trace it to somebody that was their mentor because, you know, this is somebody that's walked the path that you want to walk and can kind of show you where the pitfalls and the mines are. Yeah. And also hopefully introduce you to some people that are going to allow you to circumvent, you know, some of the, 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 the challenges, but also challenge you so that you learn to do these things for yourself. Um, you know, when I was growing up in uh, my small town of Western Pennsylvania, um, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I, I love going to movies as a form of escapism, as a way to see beyond my sort of limited horizon in a small town. And I didn't know that going to the movies, those were my earliest mentors, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, you know, the outlaw Jesse Wales, um, you know, Bruce Lee, these were my mentors, and they they each showed me something different that I wanted to try and find in myself. Um I've been very fortunate to have uh, some mentors in my life. And, you know, now as a guy that's uh, in his fifties, uh, you know, I, I try as best I can to, to mentor other people and to, uh, you know, to, to help them learn from my experience and, uh, you know, just basically be, be willing to share um, things that I've learned along the way to hopefully help somebody else and, they in turn can pass it on. And I think really that's the circle of life is mm-hmm. the passing it on and you know pulling somebody up because somebody pulled you up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pay it forward. Well, it, I, and the thing that dawned on me too, that being that you're a huge uh, Rocky fan as well, when you got signed for Karate Kid 3, which we'll, we'll jump into, did it dawn on you that the soundtrack was going to be done by Bill Conti, the same guy that did Rocky?
3: No, it didn't. No, amazing. I mean, and also, you know, I suppose if I really thought about it, I guess it's not that far of a stretch because John Abelson, who directed Rocky, directed The Karate Kid, so...
2: Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, Good point, good point. Honor, John, uh, What's that?
3: I said it was quite an honor to work with, you know, an Academy Award-winning director like John.
2: Yeah, t- talk about that a little bit. What was that experience like with John? I mean, was he a guy that was on set? Was he kind of... Like, almost like a, a you know, a, a, martial arts instructor would be, was he, was he tough? Was he now,
3: challenging? No, oh, oh, John was, uh, <laughs> God rest his soul. John was, it could be difficult. Um, John knew what he wanted. Um, you know, th- this was the third installment, uh, you know, it was the third film in the karate kid series. So, you know, they had a machine and I was like the new cog in the machine. Right. And, um, You know, it was far and away the biggest thing that I'd ever done. And I had to learn very quickly how to, you know, conduct myself on set and not be, you know, really excited that I'm working with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel. You you know what I mean? I mean (laughs) grown up with them and now suddenly I'm working with them. And there was a a bit of a quick learning curve where I had to kind of, you know, again, they were they were hard on me, but I needed it because I was I was I was a little undisciplined, not out of any kind of Thoughtlessness or malice, just kind of like as a a bit of a wide-eyed, you know, this is this is this is like the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Uh But they didn't have time for that; they needed me to do my job. And then being hard on me, uh, I think really focused me into doing my job.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you had to play a total dick i mean matt barnes is a jerk i I could only imagine that you 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 took an amalgam of all the bullies you had as a kid and threw it into that character
3: right right absolutely yeah i listen uh, you know i it's hard for me to watch the karate kid three because now as a guy that's you know i've been acting for 35 years i see all sorts of things that i wish i would have done differently but you know that's what they wanted they wanted a a one-dimensional uh bully the guy was described as a 17 year old white mike tyson Oh, shit. Um, and at 17, if you had asked me if I thought I was that guy, I would have said, are you kidding me? But when push came to shove, I, I, I guess I was able to, you know, summon that up and create that. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh,
0: who knows? You know, I,
3: I, like I said, I, I, look, I look back on it. And for, for me, I just see all sorts of things I wish I had done differently. But it's so flattering that... After three decades, uh, people are still talking about it. And, you know, it's now uh, the film has a, a, a new resurgence and, and relevancy thanks to, uh, to Cobra Kai. Yeah. So, Yeah. you know, I'm very, I'm very. Humbled.
2: So let's talk about uh, some of the like, I, I would. There's no way I can't do this with you and not ask about Pat Morita as a, as a person. I had such an affection for him.
3: Well, you know, I, I I grew up watching Pat on Happy Days. Yeah. So for me, before he was Mr. Miyagi, he was Arnold. <laughs> right? uh, you know, it was again, I was just uh you know, I was ecstatic to be working with him. It was just, it was surreal. Um he was he was very kind, um very funny. You know, he, he started out as a uh uh comedian in the Catskills. Right. And um, you know, certainly did not talk with, you know, and and you know, the, the accent that he used for the film, uh, he had more of kind of a slight New York accent. Mm. Um, but it was, it was an amazing experience to work with him and, and with Ralph.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've, uh, Conversed with people that have worked with Ralph over the years, including uh, this um, musician Danko Jones that had Ralph in this long form video thing. He did a series of videos. He just said one of the greatest guys. But uh, there's one situation though that she had that people may not be aware of um, and I want to know Jesus, I don't know how you would have dealt with Jerry Weintraub, but um, there's a scene in the movie that doesn't look like it's, it's when in the final cut where you're being thrown out of the door, if I remember, it's the bonsai uh, store, right? And you had to a- no, get
3: talking- injured. Yeah. Where was, wh- uh, what scene was uh, it in? No, it was in the uh, Cobra Kai dojo.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. And it wasn't when I was being
3: thrown out the door you would think that, but it was, it was a shot where I sort of just had to jump and fall on my side yeah. Really simple, no martial arts. And yeah, I, uh, I perforated my my momentum, which is something that wraps around your intestine, and I've been bleeding internally. And uh, Christmas Day 1989, while everyone else was getting ready for Christmas with their family, um, I was in a Las Vegas emergency room, uh, bleeding to death. Nice. And it was surreal. Uh, you know, I, I, they told me they didn't know if they could save my life. Uh, you know, I had emergency. Surgery. I thought they met Monday, they met in 15 minutes, my dad, they could only get one ticket, so my dad flew out from the East Coast, you know, at like one in the morning, I mean, it, it was, it was a big deal. Um, uh, I got a call from the studio, actually from John Abelson, and basically said, look, you've got to make it back to work in like 10 days or else, you know, we're done, you're done. And so I, I, you know, got myself out of that bed and eventually got myself out of the hospital and eventually got myself back on the set and eventually did all of my own stunts in the film, with the exception of uh, the one stunt where the, the guys are in the convertible Mustang doing the wheelie, the, the donuts and then they, they go by and the train comes. So right. I was like, there's no way that I, you know, there's no way that I almost died and now I'm getting taken out by. That's not happening. So let the stunt man do that one.
2: Yeah, I'm not getting in that freaking car. Because, yeah, it looks like right? they shot it just right where you're like, oh, man, that thing barely made it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. shoot. So um, how much of the film was done at that point? I mean, did you still have, like, the final fight scenes? And what else was left that you No, seen? no, no, no,
3: no, no, no. No, no. We, no, we filmed for about two weeks. They had just enough of me mm-hmm. that – it merited them sticking with me but you, know, you gotta remember i i originally was not the first choice for mike barnes they hired somebody else who worked for a week and then they fired him and brought me in so that already put them behind schedule i would mm-hmm. imagine so uh yeah they, you know originally they decided that they were going to use me for all the close-ups and use the stuntman for all the martial arts but i mean you know I, i've been training for a long time and really diligently. And it was, you know, I was like, there's no way if I, if I can do this, I'm doing it. Yeah. And so, um, uh, through a lot of, I guess, will and discipline, I, I was able to, you know, rehabilitate myself enough and convince them that I could do it. I mean, I was still kind of put together with paper clips and rubber bands by the time I was doing all that. I mean, you can imagine that I, you know, I, had a I still have a, about a 15 inch incision on my abdomen. Right. Um, so, you know, that was freshly healed while I was doing most of that stuff.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, and there were times that, you know, I it would tear and pull, but, you know, I, I, yeah, it was, it was something else.
2: Man, I, you know, hats off to you, your tough son of a gun, man. Oh,
3: shoot. You know, I just, I just wanted it so badly. I mean, I, and I think I think you know I, I have a book coming out. Uh, it's called "Way the Cobra," and mm. it's a it's a motivational success based book. And and one of the things I talk about in it is that you know you have to you have to have a strong why for whatever it is you're doing. You know, your why is what's going to pick you up when you get knocked down. It's it's what's going to you know force you to summon up strength that you didn't know you had. And my my why was I had come too far and and you know doing this film was to that point the most uh, you know it was the biggest thing in my life and there was no way that i was going to lose it and so that was the why that drove me to do i don't know i don't know if i could do that today do you know mm-hmm. what i mean I, I don't i don't know i would like to think i could but i was so singularly focused on you know not losing the film that that was what drove me
2: yeah I. Did. I couldn't imagine that's a lot of pain to push through. So, you know, hats off to you, man. That is, that's Being tough. in a
4: hospital bed, not knowing if you're going to live or die. And then them calling you saying, by the way, if you're not here in 10 days, it's a wrap. It's like, talk about fucking pressure. Goodness. Yeah. Good thing you had all that well, from your teacher.
3: So by the time they called me, I'd made it through surgery. It wasn't, a, my life was out of jeopardy. at oh, that Okay. Point. So you
4: were good at the, okay. You were yeah, no,
3: at no, no, I, I literally got to the hospital Christmas day, Christmas day yeah. and they said we have to operate and i i said i thought they meant um oh, what happened uh i thought they meant um monday and they were like no 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 in 15 minutes oh shit. That's so uh by the, and then by the time you know they had done the surgery and i woke up and i had you know probably 50 staples down my stomach mm-hmm. um i was out of immediate jeopardy but then it was a question of how am i possibly going to You know, I mean, you know, there's certain things about healing that you can't accelerate. I mean, it it is what it is, right? And and so, like, I had them, I had them um, discharge me against, you know, medical advice. They were like, we're going to discharge you, but know that we're not taking any liability for this. And I was like, all right, that's fine. I don't care. I got to get back to L.A. And so I did. That's great.
2: And how old were you at that time?
3: I think I was 21. Wow.
2: I wouldn't yeah. have had that gumption no.
4: at your house. I, I was like, 21 be like, fuck it. Nope, I'm yeah. done. We gave it a good shot. A good <laughs> <Yeah>. try. <laughs> give,
2: give me the drip, right? Uh, you know. <laughs> right. So talk about career after that, Sean, because, you, you know, you've had such a variety of work that you've done throughout. Was it a little bit hard? To, you know, oftentimes it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the Mark Hamill syndrome. Uh, you know, you're also a, 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 an, an amazing talent, but because people knew this character, did it pigeonhole you for a bit or were you getting work pretty quickly?
3: It, it, it did a little bit. Um, I think the next big thing I did was I uh, was in The Outsiders, which Francis Ford Coppola produced. Uh, what? It, was, it was the television series, mm-hmm. uh, which was, again, amazing because I had, like Karate Kid, I had grown up reading all of S.C. Hinton's books, The Outsiders, Rumble Fish. That was then. This is now. And now suddenly I'm playing the leader of the Socs, which was the rich kids gang. Um, bad guy. <laughs> um, uh, not from his perspective. But, Those damn uh, Yeah, So, so I, I, I did get cast as a lot of bad guys for a while. Um, and then, you know, I, I realized that I was getting cast as these guys because... I was able to play that character, but I was very quickly getting typecast, and I needed to really uh, do some work on myself as an actor, and and so I did, and I uh, I got back in class, and I also uh, I did a play, and, hmm. and doing a play is an unbelievable way to grow as an actor because yeah. you've got you know, usually you've got four to six weeks of intense rehearsal where you're really learning to deconstruct the role and trying out new things that, you know, you don't have that ability when you're doing uh, television. To a smaller extent, you do in film, but, you know, because films are are largely predicated on finance, you know, they're not really interested in you sort of, you know, contemplating your navel and discovering yourself as an artist. It's Mm -hmm. like show up and do your job while you're being paid. so, you know, I was, I was able to, to grow as an actor. Uh, I also, you know, I was doing stand-up comedy, too, which I still do from time to time. Um, just before the pandemic, I was headlining at the, uh, the, the uh, comedy store on Sunset. Oh, nice. And I was supposed to be, yeah, and I was supposed to be headlining at the Atlantic City uh, Comedy Club. Got canceled because of COVID. But, you know, I, I really love doing stand-up. And there is, I mean, you know, you up there with a microphone and your words... Just, Let me tell you, you what it's yeah. and yeah. that is phenomenal training. It's it's not, you know, it's 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 different than acting, but it really strengthens your muscles for improv. And like mm-hmm. one thing I've learned, you know, especially when you're doing low budget stuff, you're doing you know independent films. If you have the ability to come up with dialogue on the fly and have the ability to improv um, when it's appropriate, you can dramatically uh help your performance help the film um so that's something that i've always prided myself on that i'm i'm I'm, i think i'm very good at doing that and i've been able to take sometimes roles that were initially small roles and get them to expand so they stick out a little more yeah
2: what got you into this to to stand up was there was, was it something like kind of like me at grown up man there was Richard Pryor in the house there was George Carlin there was Andrew Dice Clay was it something from childhood you wanted to try or is, as you continued to expand your repertoire
3: I grew up loving uh probably weird to say this now, but I thought Bill Cosby was really funny.
0: <laughs> we'll edit well, that well, out. <laughs>
3: well, well, he was. He was. Yeah, where till I was eight years old, I thought my name was Jesus Christ. And my dad was like, Jesus Christ, clean your name? I mean, I thought he was funny. And, you know, uh, George Carlin, um, later Eddie Murphy. And I, I remember, I had a, a buddy who was sleeping over when we were kids and we we conned our babysitter was watching us to driving us to a comedy club. It was like an hour away and we snuck into the comedy club. I know this sounds like surreal. And I just was like, I was blown away watching these guys keep an audience spellbound with just the words. And I was like, I gotta try that. And, you know, I think the first time I did stand up, I was on the boardwalk in Atlantic city when I was like 16 years old. And uh, uh, I, they, they had like a, a local contest. I, I think I might have won it. I'm not sure, but I think I might have won it. Anyway, um, after I realized that I was foolish enough to be able to walk up to a bunch of strangers <laughs> and, and think that I was funny enough for them to listen to me, you know, it's a little like a drug. It's like I wanted more of it, you know. And, and, and over the years, uh, I've just continued to do it. I, I really, you know, it's just something I love.
2: Yeah, well, I, mean, it's, uh, I think Dave Chappelle put it really great that it's it's one of the the truest and purest art forms where you know I forget what the term is, but but it's the you know you can be a storyteller, uh, yeah. You know if you're Mitch Hedberg and you're the brilliant one-liner guy, or if you're you know one of these yeah. other comedians that'll you know bait the joke early on and finish the joke not till they're into their set or whatever it is, it's that. That almost like storyteller that you can bring people together that are diverse right. just through laughter. Yeah, and I think I think it's
3: along with jazz, one of the true American art forms. Mm. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's something that uh is is intrinsically American, uh stand up. I mean, you know, starting with I guess vaudeville. Sure. You know?
2: Yeah. So Yeah. Mikey? You oh, no, say something? Just, no, I hiccuped. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thanks for the hiccup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, no, I'm completely
3: uninterested. I was just thinking. <laughs> no, I
4: love stand-up. I think it's incredible how somebody can go up with just themselves and a microphone and just you go, go. You and the microphone, go. Make them laugh. Like, I think that has to be one of the most, if not the most difficult job in – the biz if you will in my opinion because i think that's incredible how someone can do that like going from andrew dice clay selling out arenas and like you see kevin hart eddie murphy um what was it what was eddie murphy's deliriousness? Delirious, deliriousness yeah. that that's Delirious, sh- yeah. amazing amazing yeah and it's just like yeah. i in going out there at 16 such a young age yeah Talk
2: about cojones, my friend, because no way,
4: absolutely not. I couldn't do that.
2: Uh, well, before we get to some Cobra Kai rumors, Phil uh, a cool series that uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, Studio City. Uh, how did you get that together?
3: Yes, yeah, so Studio City is a project that I've been, uh, you know, I've been trying to get together for over a decade, and uh, you know, through the right series of relationships and 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 uh, you know, opportunities and some good luck. Um, we were able to get it made um, uh, last year uh, when it first came out. We we had six episodes and we got nominated for eight Emmys and twelve Indie Series Awards. Very exciting, right? And uh, we are in the process now of doing post production on season two. That's nice. awesome. So, uh, nice. My 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 guess, actually not my guess. It, it will be it will be up on Amazon uh, if, if the planets align before the end of this month.
2: Awesome, I'm looking forward to it. Which is which,
3: like breakneck speed, it's
2: insane. <laughs> All right, so you got yeah. editors that are like taking rotations, sleeping on a couch. And- oh,
3: you have no idea. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like a juggling act, but uh, yeah. it's it's a, a, a project of passion for everybody who's involved. Um, you know, it's it's, it's funny, it's, it's dramatic. Um, for people who haven't seen it, um, my character is Sam Stevens who plays Dr. Pierce Hartley on Hearts on Fire, the number two soap opera in the world, and you know he's a guy that you think he's got the world by the tail because he's, you know, he's a, he's a soap star and must be making all this money. And, and really, you realize that he's he's an aging soap star, and he's fighting to keep his his relevance on the show, fighting to keep his job on the show. Um, you know, he's he's got uh, all sorts of family issues, and and you know he struggles with you know some some issues himself and he's a guy that always thought he should have had like a bigger career thought he should have been an action star until he gets told that he's just too old um and at the end of the uh the pilot uh of the first season somebody who he never knew existed shows up and throws his his entire reality into chaos so these are um uh, it's a digital series the episodes are between i'd say between 10 and 15 minutes so it's, it's very digestible very easy to watch and it of hooks you right away so if you haven't seen it please tune in and uh, uh, you'll be able to see the second season pretty shortly
2: yeah add it to your list it's really good I've enjoyed it and the thing that I liked about it is what you were saying was that so often times that we perceive people or this person's got it all together and they've got no issues, and we kind of forget that everyone that's walking around with us has internal and external issues and things that are going on all the time. And it, it, it really, even though it does have some good, good humorous moments and drama, but it really has a lot of heart to it in, in that regard. Yeah. Because it, you kind of I think
3: it, I love that saying that you never know what private war someone else is, is fighting. Yeah, and it's true. Uh, you know, everybody's got their battles that they fight. Sure, and yeah. I, I think that's a, a reason to try and be,
4: you know, as understanding
3: and compassionate as you can to to other people. Yeah,
4: everybody's got their own shit going on. Yeah, know, everyone's
2: got their shit. And with that said, yeah. uh, let's talk about the great work you're doing with uh, anti-bullying campaigns, and which is so awesome that it, a yeah, full I love circle. That. Full circle from childhood, you know, all that shit. And, and now you're just trying to, you know, not only educate those that get bullied, but those that are bullying as well. Sure,
3: sure. Um, so I'm very involved with uh, with an organization called Buddha Bullying. Um, I'm the uh, uh, the young man's youth ambassador. Uh, we go to schools and do a presentation, to facilitate a dialogue with the kids. You know, we. we we discuss how bullying is really a triangle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the person getting bullied, there's the person doing the bullying, and then the kids who are affected by being kind of the, uh, you know, the bystanders. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really, it's traumatic for everybody. And um, it's amazing, you know, we, we, we I, when I get up and speak, I start by showing a clip of me from Karate Kid sure. 3, when I'm terrorizing Daniel Russo, And I said, would you believe that, that scary guy used to get bullied and right, you know, it, it sort of snaps them into what? And, and it, it, it allows me to bridge the fact that I'm a guy in my fifties talking to a bunch of, you know, teens and preteens, because why would they ever listen to an old guy like me? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gives me some street cred with them so that I can start to have a dialogue with them. Um, you know, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death among kids, which is, which is, tragic, mm-hmm. and, and bullying is is an incredibly important factor in that, and now, you know, with the internet, uh, cyberbullying is, yeah. is, is another pandemic, I mean, I, I'm not trying to minimize what we're going through, but, you know, with, with one stroke of a, a keyboard, you know, kids are getting bullied to everybody in their school 24 hours a day, oh, and it's yeah. just, you know, when I was a kid, you got bullied, like, you know, on the way to school, at lunch, and on the way home, and now, you know, kids are getting bullied nonstop yeah um and uh and it's just so destructive and so you know it's something i'm really i'm passionate about it's something that I, I i really um you know it's 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 work that i think is important and want to continue doing and kind of spread the message and i just think that you know if, if anyone's watching this if you're if you're a parent you know you may get one shot at your kid or your younger brother or sister coming to you and being able to suck it up and say hey listen i'm i'm getting bullied and and if if you're not receptive to it in that moment, they might not try and speak to somebody again.
1: Sure, yeah. And
3: so it's, I, th- I think there's a responsibility um, on the side of adults to be vigilant uh, and also to, to try and facilitate an environment where kids feel safe enough to talk about something that's highly, highly humiliating for them. You know, it's it's just, I mean, it, there's, there's nothing worse than, you know, a young boy going to his dad and saying, hey, I'm, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me. It's school you know what I mean so yeah. it, like all the all the cards are stacked against kids feeling comfortable enough to doing it
2: mm-hmm.
3: so when they actually are able to summon up the courage to do it it's, it's really it's imperative that, that, that the adults are, are receptive to it and do something about it
2: yeah and as word you've been using compassion you know that's um, um, one of the things for me of course Sean and you and I had, had a phone conversation you know prior to going through you know recovery uh with my addiction is that was one of the things that i had to start to learn that as a man i just didn't have to be this masculine like thing which right. i'm so far from anyways but i could finally embrace that i have a spectrum of thoughts feelings and emotions and sure. and, and that's all valid they all deserve to be heard to be understood to to realize you know the the best way i i heard someone is um I think it was this gentleman, Tony Hoffman, we had had on who goes out and speaks to schools as well. Uh, he had crazy, crazy addiction history in prison as well. But that, you know, we got we to gotta not only focus on those being bullied, but those that are the bullies because there's something going on there at home. It kind of goes back to the there is no bad student, only bad teacher. Um, and like you said, if we shut well- off that conversation, then when they try to talk to us and they're being failed at home, then they're being failed at school those two institutions, there's one other potential institution they could head towards eventually.
3: Absolutely. For sure. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, like I said, it's a triangle. You know, we we really try and speak to not just the kids getting bullied, but the kids that are doing the bullying and, and the kids that are being affected by, you know, witnessing it and feeling, you know, oh, they can't do anything or maybe they're part of the problem cheering it on. You know, there's a, there's a like, again, a lot of different um nana shades of gray in behavior uh, that need to be addressed. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, you were talking about your book. Uh, did, you didn't give us a date on that. Do you already have a publishing date coming up for yes. it?
3: Or? Well, um, it is my sincere hope that it's going to come out. <laughs> I was saying before Christmas, um, I'm really hoping it's going to come out in early January. I'm so close to having it finished. But you know, with, with uh, uh, filming Studio City, it, Studio City is such a big project that I really had to put the book on hold for a couple of weeks. Um, now I'm getting back into it, uh, but you know it takes some time to get it edited and get it printed and everything, but it's for sure going to be out uh, in early uh, uh, 2021.
2: Nice. All right. Well, we'll continue to watch on social media. I want to pick it up. I'm, yeah, absolutely.
4: I'm the reader of the two here, so. He just tells me about it. <laughs> yeah, <he'll> like, <laughs> Make a movie about way, it. We had
3: the Cobra. So, so what I do is I use the word Cobra as uh, uh from the acronym of um um character uh, optimization balance respect and abundance and you know i, I talk about a, a cobra is somebody that is living their best life
0: mm-hmm.
3: um and uh i i sort of frame the whole book as if it's it's the dojo of life and i'm the sensei and nice. you know it's fun and it's kind of cheeky and uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun read, and it's going to, you know, so, you know, so often we don't hear different messages. You know what I mean? There's certain things in, in in the universe that are realities that are just good brain food, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like what I said about having a why, right? That's that's not reinventing the wheel, um, but sometimes the wrapping paper that that the the message comes in, the present comes in, is what attracts the eye, and it's like you know two people can be saying the same thing in different ways yeah. why is somebody going to gravitate to this so you know I, I as the humble messenger in this book i say maybe maybe my way of presenting it is what is going to finally you know get somebody to to understand it
2: yeah well and it, and yeah. it is very true that you know it could be that uh, the enticement of, uh, of of who you are the roles you've done the connectivity through the films that have inspired them as opposed to somebody that uh it's like I don't know who Deepak Chopra is, but I know who John Kanan <laughs> is. So I'm going to check that out. You know what I'm right. saying? That's right. too cool. Well, I, being the, being that I'm a fan, we have to talk Cobra Kai rumors here. Okay. Uh, I know that even if you were involved, there's limited stuff, but I did read an interview somewhere with producers where they were talking about they would love to have all past cast members from the right. film's back any conversation sean huh wink hint
3: what well, said it before and i mean there's nothing that i'm going to say now that's any different but you know the, the guys the producers are you know they're diehard fans which i think is is amazing i mean you know there could not be better stewards of the karate kid universe than um you know josh john and hayden um I, I and I do believe that they at some point would like to bring everybody back. Um I don't know that we've necessarily seen the last of Mike Barnes. Um uh you know we shall see. That's yeah. that's all I can say. <laughs> I mean I, I know it's but uh, you, you know we sh- we shall see.
2: Yeah cuz we've already seen the trailer for season 2 so it looks like we're going to get uh you know Daniel son maybe going to back to Okinawa, some stuff yeah, there. It's great. What's that? No, for season three. For season three. For season Sorry. three. Yeah, for season three. So I think it'd be interesting to have Barnes and, and maybe Terry Silver back, you know?
3: <laughs> Everyone always thinks that Barnes and Terry Silver would still be buddies. And it's like, I, I don't see that at all. No. With Terry Silver, obnoxious kid who didn't achieve his goal. Uh, you know, I, I mean, but, you know, the thing is that Mike Barnes was promised 50% of those dojos. And I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, if he came back and, you know, said to, uh, to Johnny, Hey pal, <laughs> 50% of this should be mine. Yeah. Uh, I think set up an interesting, um, uh, conflict with, with, you know, with some, some canon valid validity to it. So we'll see. Um, people ask me all the time what I think happened to Mike Barnes. Uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that, uh, um, that the the producers and writers could bring him back into this um you know i love the fact that these guys have such strong comedy chops that uh i think whatever they do it's 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 going to be multi-dimensional and yeah. funny hopefully yeah.
2: um
3: so yeah i'm looking forward to it uh as much as everyone else is <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah Bar- who knew it barnes went on to become a stand-up comedian afterwards hey guys i'm back for cobra kai <laughs> you know?
3: right, there's a relationship coach or an anger management coach yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, and you're right, because I've thought about that like so many different – because you would expect Terry Silver, because people that haven't seen maybe Karate Kid 3, he's, you know, a toxic waste <laughs> dumper, a total just rich douchebag. Everyone is below him. So he's not changing. We know he's a dick still. But you yeah. could see Barnes maybe a lesson through it that he's gone either an antagonist or a protagonist route. And what could that be? You know, so right. – Hey, I'm all in. I'm all in for that. Well, Sean, we like to, uh, uh, before we uh, give you kind of the final word and a positive message, wrap it up with uh, some rapid fire questions. Don't have to be too rapid. You could give them some thought, but, uh, you know, they're all in good fun. So fire away, Mikey.
4: All right. If you can have dinner with anybody you wanted, dead or alive, who would it be?
3: Wow. Um... Gosh, you know, look, I'm, I'm not even that religious, but I, I got to go with JC. I mean, you know, one. we've gotten that one. You know, gotten like... that one. <laughs> yeah.
4: You and Lamar Odom. Yeah. Same answer. <laughs>
2: Why do yeah. you say that?
3: Well, I listen, uh, you know, uh, I, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of knowledge there. There's uh, a lot of a lot of um, uh, mystery there. As to you know, hey, you know, t- tell me about uh, age zero to thirty-three. I, mean, you know, <laughs> right. I, I don't know, I, I, you know, I, and I think I think there's, there, there would be the possibility of of, of some some life-changing epiphanous uh, information and 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 spiritual connection that would be really interesting. I mean, I, you know, a close second would be. Uh, Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. I mean, I think I think that'd be really interesting. I mean, as as much as like Einstein was fascinating, I just I I don't know that I'd have a whole lot that he'd be interested in hearing, um, or or that I might a whole lot of what he was saying.
2: Shawn's Sean, the E equals the MC squared. It's just that simple. Do it. You're like, well, this is fun. Let me get the check. <laughs> check. <laughs> check, please. Uh, pass it to Mr. Einstein. Uh, Fire away, Jason. <laughs> all right. Um, what are some of your pet peeves, if any?
3: Oh, okay. I got two, and they're really stupid. <laughs> I can't stand when you were in uh, uh, an office building, and the bathroom requires a key. Oh, okay? Oh, yeah, that is I stupid. hate that. And... As a corollary to that, I can't stand when you actually go in the stall and you pull the toilet paper out, and it's as if somebody has taken one of those large wrenches and tightened it <laughs> so that you know it just pulls off little by little. Those are stupid. Those are pet peeves. <laughs> those um, are stupid, and I hate them. <laughs> like you know, I don't like cruelty. I don't like. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, so you know, nobody likes that <laughs> shit. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't like waiting in line. I, I've got an absolute lack of um patience which is something that i i, I work on diligently uh so if the wife uh, says what, we're what, going
2: to disneyland sean you're like oh fuck right all
3: right <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like i don't like crowds either um, not that not that i dislike people but i don't like crowds mm. um hmm, what else uh and a, a pet peeve is really something with myself i'm, I'm not I'm not the uh, sharpest spoon in the drawer when it comes to technology. Although my wife is like my in-house IT IT guy, like she can build computers literally. So, so like it doesn't affect me that much. But like if I was on my own, um, yeah, I, I I'd be very angry with myself because I'm just not great with technology and things like that.
4: That's Jason for sure. I don't know shit about computers and all that stuff. I'm like, hey, how do you how do you get this thing on that over there? Like, how do I? What do I need to do here? Yeah, so I get what you're saying. Press the button. Yeah. 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 Oh, all you gotta do is here, and then this key, and then that. I'm like, what? Just fucking do it. I don't know. Uh, All right. What is? Okay. If they were to make a movie about you, Mr. Cannon, who would play? Who would you cast to play you, and why? Oh, that's a that's a tough one come on man I mean, come on <laughs> you got this <laughs> who would
3: i who would i cast to play me you know you know I'll tell you who I would cast to play me I would cast a young robert downey jr not that not that he and I really have anything in common but I just think he is such a phenomenal actor that or you know or, or, let let me let me let me amend that. <laughs> I I think it would be really funny to watch Nick Cage play me. (laughs) I I don't know why. I would like to see Nicholas give me like an acid trip. (laughs) Nicholas Cage version playing me. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, I could just see some sort of scene where he's like, you know, playing you, calling your folks. Yeah, I got Karate Kid three. I'm gonna be a badass. i would love that oh shit that's the best answer ever oh <laughs> hell uh and then do you think it, if it was nick cage it would have to be a comedy like in the vein of raising arizona or something
3: oh for sure like that or um I mean, you know, like everything he does has got comedy in it you know i mean like the rock and you know, yeah yeah I, that would be my guy
2: yeah like i always love the scene uh with, you know him and connery you know winners go home and fuck the prom queen he's like yeah my lady oh, was the, the prom <laughs> <laughs> and that was played by Vanessa Martell, who I was on uh
3: general hospital with.
2: oh that's right yeah. that's right nice um all right let me see here uh I was gonna ask who's your biggest inspiration well okay so you're, you did talk about your sensei being a, a huge inspiration a mentor do you think he's your biggest inspiration and mentor in life
3: No, I have to say probably my father. I mean, both my parents. My parents have both given me um, uh, a lot of love and and very good advice um, over the years. Um, My uncle Jeffrey, uh, who is a uh, he's a a doctor. Uh, I've been very close with him all of my life. Um, uh, Sensei, Sensei Fumio Demura, who was Pat Morita's stunt double, You know, with somebody else who has uh, been very important in my life, Um, my 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 acting teacher, the late Roy London. Um, So, you know, I think I think at different if at different times in my life, different people have had significant importance. Yeah. Um, But you know, it it does kind of take a village. At least with this guy, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it does with their very large.
2: And it does with everyone. And that's what I, I really loved and wanted to get out to people about, right. you know, not just, you know, adversities you've been, you know, gone through, but got, you know, taking it and now doing all this stuff to be a mentor back to youth and other, right. other people. And just, you know, your approach and how you treat people. It's just, you know, we need more of that. Uh, Mikey, you're up. Good, sir.
4: If you could travel anywhere in time, but you had to stay there, where mm. would you go and why?
2: Hmm. It could be the future or the past.
3: It would would for sure be the future. It Um, would be the future. No, no, it would be. It would be. Oh, shit. Yes, the future. Yeah, no, it'd be the future for sure. Um, uh, Well, see, that's a tricky one, though, because could I bring someone with me? I mean, could I bring my wife with me? Or do I have to leave my wife? Just you. Well, I guess either either (laughs) way, well, then, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. I wouldn't do it. Okay, fine.
4: You it, can it, bring it, your wife.
3: Okay, you could take your okay. wife.
4: <laughs> That's really sweet, Sean. Well, no,
3: it's, I mean, it's like, like I, that would be – I would I would opt out. Um, I, would say, I would say the future, um, um, I don't know, maybe like five, 600 years in the future. I think it would be fascinating to see if we're finally, you know, interacting with, uh, uh, you know, uh, other civilizations uh, in the universe. Um, my My hope would be that we, you know, wouldn't have destroyed ourselves or yeah. – uh, succumb to some kind of a pandemic that, that really ultimately did, you know, threaten humanity. Um, but I just think it would be amazing to see if we finally got our shit together and we're treating each other well and, and, you know, w- w- what, what kind of advancements in, in medicine and communications and all the other stuff, I think it'd be uh, pretty amazing. I would probably find myself being completely useless though. I mean, like uh short- Short of doing a, a, a monologue for our, uh, you know, for our alien overlords, I'm not really sure. What that <laughs> I think based off uh, the year
4: 2020 like, is going, remember, I'd be terrible.
3: Remember Ripley in Alien? Like, she fell asleep for 300 years and she, like, got it. Not, not that there's anything wrong with working on the loading docks, but, like, she wasn't classified to do anything else because she was so behind in the technology. So maybe I could drive one of those big things. or <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, that's really interesting because I hadn't thought of it, you know, that way, if it would be the Gene Roddenberry vision of what the future could hold. Um, That's what I think, you know, I mean, I, you know,
3: I I do believe at some point, you know, I I do not want to get political, but I was going to say, I do believe at some point that we will have a more unified, singular world government. The question is, who do you want to be leading that government? You know, that's, that's the issue I have. And I'm not going to, you know, fingers or this and that, but it's like, you know, that could be that could be very different whether it's based on a religious theocracy, whether it's based on a democracy, whether it's based on an uh, oligarchy. You know, it, it just just because it's one world order, which I, I do think at some point is probably inevitable. You know, Ronald Reagan said he said how quickly all of our, you know, all of our earthly disputes would seem irrelevant if we found out that we were dealing with something from out there, yeah. um, you know? Yeah. No, well, like good I point. was
4: saying, based off of the way 2020 is going, I'd be scared to go into the future. I mean, we're getting court ordered to stay home and I didn't even get arrested. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'd rather go back to the seventies. That's where all my favorite music took place. I'd like to go see them in person. <laughs>
3: that could be fun too. Yeah. Uh,
2: Jason, you're up. Uh, what would you say, your greatest achievement is, what do you think it is?
3: It's my marriage to my wife. I really, I really think that, I think that, that's um, awesome. That's a good one. I I think that getting Michelle to marry me um, has really helped me become such a different and better guy, a guy that I was not able to be without her. I mean, I think it was always in me, But I I just I just think that it's 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 really allowed me to kind of spread my wings and and,
2: and
3: at least be on the path to being the guy that I've always wanted to be. Yeah.
2: Did she take some coaxing, Sean? I mean, were you just. (laughs) No, we really need to do this. I don't
3: know. To marry me. No, you know, I I have to be honest. It was kind of it was kind of love at first sight. Um, I, I, I saw her. And she was literally yelling and complaining to a girlfriend of hers about something. And I was like, yep, that's the girl for me. <laughs> <I married her.
2: laughs> uh, well, it's, True. you know, and I, I, I hope people really hung on what you said about, uh, you know, marrying her and what it's made for you. I read that uh, um, uh, a saying the other day, and I'm going to f- probably fuck it up, but, um, you know, you're truly in a good place in a relationship when it makes you love yourself more.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think for I nailed sure. it. Um, I, 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 I got another one I like. The right one will make you. The wrong one will break you.
4: And, and uh, fucking A. can we both, yeah, we know right. what you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> Let me tell you. We just look at each other at the <laughs> right. same
2: time like, yep. <laughs> uh, nailed that shit you did. Uh, Mike, you got any more? Uh, another one there? All right. Um, what is something some people would be surprised
4: to learn about you? What is some somebody people don't know about you? Okay, I'm totally butchering that. What is something uh, about you that people would be surprised to learn? There we go.
3: Well, on, on, on the stupid side, that I talk to myself constantly, which is just bizarre, <laughs> I and do I too. I, I don't like know why I car, do it, but
4: I do. I do too.
3: <laughs> I talk oh, <laughs> talk to myself all the time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I uh, hmm. Um, I'm a real dog lover. Love dogs. Um, I uh, uh, am very uh, fascinated with foreign languages. I, I study uh, Italian and I study Mandarin. Oh, uh, wow. It's something that I, I always, at some point or another, I'm studying some language. So maybe that's something that they uh, would not know about me. And and I love to cook.
2: Oh, nice! Damn it, we should have got him up here. And it's uh, you know, Nobody buys. Hey. Yeah, Sean, what do you want me to cook tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh well in wrapping up Sean this is uh this has been a total blast and a pleasure. But um yeah, sure. what kind of you know words of uh inspiration can kind of lend to people of course a lot, all of us you know as of this recording you know the covid still in effect, you know the holiday seasons we've gone through um that you can just kind of lend to people the, from from your life experience.
3: <sighs> it- I think the first thing, which is going to sound cliche, but it's true, is that it can't rain all the time. This too shall pass. Yeah. And, and as we're coming into the holidays, I think the holidays really tend to amplify everything, both both positive and negative. And unfortunately, a lot of people are not going to be able to spend time with the people they love, and that's really difficult. And I would just say, you know, the best way that I know to get out of yourself is to try and reach out and, and make someone else feel good, connect with them. Um, I also think that it's really important that, you know, we, we don't just survive, but we thrive, you know, uh, you know, take this time when, when, you know, you're home and, and, you know, God forbid, you're not one of the people that, you know, can't work, or if you are, find something that you can do that is going to bring value to your life. And someone else's, you know, for me, I've, I've taken this time to really work on my book, um, um, and, uh, and and to prep getting Studio City done. That's been kind of the stuff that I've done to thrive. Um, and then I'd say on a <clears throat> on a bigger note, and it's one of the things I talk about in my book, is that you know you need to really figure out what your success is. You know, not success as defined by Madison Avenue commercials and some. Um, you know the conspicuous consumption of some celebrity's Instagram feed, but figure out what your internal barometer says success means to you. Because ultimately, you're only competing against yourself. And and you know if you don't have an idea of what success means to you, it's 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 like getting in a car and not knowing the destination. Mm-hmm. So I guess clarity, uh, deciding what it is that you want to do, and then and just. Um, try to take this time to you know shift into gear and make it happen
2: well anything else mikey no, I think that's it, man. Awesome. Well, Mr. Sean Kane, thank you so much for your time. This has been a total blast. I appreciate guys, your time, man. It's a
3: blast, man. I'm in the shit with a couple of buddies. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hopefully, when all this uh, stuff changes, you know, like you, we've, uh, you and I've talked about, get you up here speaking to some of these schools yeah. in our area. So uh,
3: I would really love that. You guys, I want to wish you all the best. I hope you have a, a wonderful holiday. Um, stay safe and uh, keep in touch. All right.
4: Yeah, thank we you will. So much, Sean. Thank you, you as well, brother.
3: Thank you so much
1: knocking doors down real people real stories real life Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at
2: kddmediacompany.com. Sean Canaan, I I can't wait to hang out with him. You know, this pandemic, I I want it end. Everybody's healthy, so we can start doing things like bringing Sean out to speak at schools and talk to the youth about anti-bullying. You and the rest of America, man, we're all fucking over it. (laughs) Let's get this pandemic
4: shit over. But yeah, no, it'd definitely be uh, fun to get him out here and talking to the youth and all that. I think that'll
2: be a good thing for sure. Yeah. A lot of great takeaways. What an awesome guy. And again, we can't do any of this that we're doing here on the Knocking Doors Down podcast without 5150. 5150LTM. Click that link in the podcast description. Still some time to buy some of the swag. You see all the uh, videos that Mikey and I are in on the social media. We're wearing 5150 gear and you can get yourself that gear as well. That's right. And again, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you listen to us on uh, Apple Podcast app, make sure to leave us a five-star review and a rating. Uh, You know, Spread the word. Tell a friend. Pass it along. If uh, an episode or two has made an impact to you, send it to a friend, a loved one, someone that might want to hear it. Enjoy it and check it out. Ask them to subscribe. And uh, that's how we grow. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate you all. Anything else, Mr. Naraki? Yeah, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah, available now. Link is in the description. On that note, Mikey, anything else? No, I'm going home. All right, guys, keep knocking doors down.
1: The Knocking Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. For more info and to get involved, check out Carlos Vieira Foundation.org. This
0: podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors.